Welcome back to Your Average Witch, where we talk about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft. Today we meet Roan. Roan talks about life in Appalachia, tattoos, and trans acceptance. Before we get started with the interview, I just wanted to thank a listener, Andrea. I follow her on Instagram, and I saw that she was collecting rose hips one day, and I expressed envy because I don't know how well roses will grow here in Arizona. She volunteered to send me some, and when it got here, she had included some gorgeous soaps. They have cute little planchettes on top, and they smell amazing. When I opened the package, it just, lavender just whacked me right in the face. It smells great. She also sent me a lovely letter, which I'm calling a review. And she says, I'm super impressed by your podcast interviews. They are so much more personal than anything else I have heard because you ask all of the questions all of us are thinking. Keep up the good work and fun. Excited to see where this venture takes you. Thanks so much, Andrea, both for sending me a package, which is, was definitely not necessary and very much appreciated, and for the kind words. I hope to continue to bring even more witches into the spotlight next year. Now let's get to the stories. Hello, Roan. Welcome to the show. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice, nice to, to meet here. you. Oh, yay. <laughs> Would you please introduce yourself to everybody? Let them know who you are, if you give yourself any sort of a label as to what kind of witch you are or any other kind of label, if you want, and pronouns if you want to throw those out there and let people know where they can find you. Awesome. So my full name is Jasper Roan Campbell or JR for short. So I go by all three. Um, I give, I like to say that I give everyone options and you can just pick one, see what sticks. Uh, my pronouns are both he, him and they, them, meaning that anyone can use both interchangeably or separately. Over the years, I've honestly come to know myself as many things. A lot of it is being that I'm a non-binary intersex person. Uh, I'm a queer person. I'm a rural Southern Indian or Southern Appalachian. I'm autistic and I am what many people would commonly recognize as a witch. And of course that list isn't exhaustive and there are others that I'm still learning to be confident in existing publicly within, but I would say that practice has taught me there's immense power in naming and claiming things that belong to myself, even when there's a risk of being used against me. Do you have socials that you want to share? So socials, I... (laughs) I was actually, I I don't really exist very much on social media, but I'm actually trying to change that because I right now exist on an island and have been very solitary, both in my practice, but in my just, you know, secular life. And that's something I struggle with. I'm a very anxious, not really anxious, but kind of just like socially nervous person. I'm anxious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I'm really glad to find that there are a lot of other people out there that that's so common with. Um, yeah, if you sneak up behind us and touch us on the shoulder, we'll jump. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that that is just honestly an added bonus. It makes everything spicy. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's honestly something I've been trying to find in my my own personal practice as well. Is I've been a solitary practitioner for I would say about fifteen years now. If I were saying that I, you know, am officially practicing, but when does anyone ever like officially start practicing? Um, probably longer than that though. So probably the most 
social I get in my life is just interacting with like my group of friends and also folks that I've come to know that's also you know witchy and eclectic and really just have an air of spirituality around them. What does it mean when you call yourself a witch? What does that mean to you? It means quite a lot to me. And sometimes I find it evolving over time. Or even sometimes I sit down and go, hmm, what does that mean? Hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of different things. But firstly, it means self-empowerment. I was raised as an evangelical fundamentalist Christian. Don't really know how sometimes I am related to my family. Um <laughs> Or even how it's like, huh, you know, I look at my path forward and I'm like, this is where I've ended up. <laughs> um, but it is, it's, I think it's been empowering for myself just to be able to claim something as my own and to really shape it as my own, like, you know, taking your hands to a piece of clay and being like, huh, I could really actually make this into whatever. And secondly, I think it means that I'm there for others as much as I am myself. I really try my best to be accessible however I can. Since I exist within many communities that experience discrimination and at times social exclusion, uh, this often means we have much less access to resources in many ways than a lot of other people. Uh, so my services that you know I, I assist other people with are either free or at a cost that will cover materials needed. And Outside of this, I still remain committed to accessibility for anyone by reducing barriers for others as much as I, I have the power to do so. Uh, and then finally, I think it means a lifelong commitment to education in many facets, nature conservation, and activism. Goals. <laughs> I feel like such a schmo whenever I ask people these questions. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Why is that? Let's think about that. No, I'm, just I'm always like, I am constantly asking why. I think I've done that ever since I was a little kid. I think annoyingly so. Being like, hmm, why is that? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly annoy myself sometimes with it, but I think it can be very helpful. <laughs> like, how does this work? Trying to figure it out. Everybody yeah. has these good answers that sound like so noble and full of service and i'm like i don't know man i, I like rocks <laughs> i hey and you can like rocks but whenever you pull on a thread just like i like rocks and you keep pulling that thread out sometimes you're like whoa there's a lot more here than i realize i will be honest even just like listening to your podcast and listening to all the other wonderful people talking about themselves i was very nervous and I'm always very upfront with being nervous because if I can point at the elephant in the room, it makes me more, <laughs> much more comfortable. So um, I, I, you know, listen to those folks. I'm like, wow, dang, I don't really know if I can <laughs> come up with really cool stuff like that. I'm just kind of your uh, average backwoods witch out in the hedge in Appalachia in a holler somewhere. So <laughs> a holler, a holler. I just, that makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> thank you but yeah um i think you know even just like talking about the elephant in the room aspect that's also a part of my spirituality and my magical work um also in my personal life i am a member of the sisters of perpetual indulgence mm -hmm. Yay! um 
Yeah. So some people do know what that is. Other people, I, I also find that, especially in the South, like I walk up to people and I'm like, hi, I'm a member of SBI or I'm a sister. I'm a queer nun. And they're like, what the heck is that? <laughs> well, to be honest, it's because I know Corey. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, honestly, Corey is one of the best and they are someone I look up to extremely in my life. Um, I'm very lucky to have them as a family member. That's one of the things that we constantly tell people <laughs> when we're out and about is that if I can show up looking like this, so what a queer nun is, is that, I mean, it can be many things, but in my practice is that um, I constantly dress up in my practice and I look like you know, like an anime girl, or I look like a very ridiculous rainbow, or I just wear like all of these <laughs> very odd things. And I'm like, if I can look this way and exist in this space, and there's space enough for me to be peaceful and exist here, so can anyone else. Oh, no, it my instantly heart <laughs> seems to calm people. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, if I can have the audacity to be here like this, you know, Anyone can exist here. Everybody needs some damn audacity. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. My my partner and I are constantly saying that. So one time we were watching this really good. Oh, what was it? It was some kind of thing. But um, there was this man in an office and he had this poster. It's like one of those inspirational posters. And above him, it just said, have the audacity. <laughs> it was like, I need that poster. <laughs> Yeah. Just have some audacity, you know? I think a good dash of it's good. I have an audacity story. It's kind of dumb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My best friend and I Honestly, were kind actually... of dumb ones are the best. <laughs> this is embarrassing. So That's best... you know what's good if it starts that way. <laughs> oh, this is a podcast about stories, so here we go. <laughs> mm. My best friend... This is when I lived in El Paso, and my best friend Anne came and... We would come to Tucson to like escape El Paso because I, I didn't like it there. And Tucson was yeah. fun and relatively close. And so we got matching tattoos. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want something to remind me to be courageous and brave and, and awesome. <clears throat> and we chose audacity. And I said, Anne, you're French because she's French. What's the mm -hmm. French word for audacity? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me call my aunt. And so she we called her aunt. Who said it was audacity with an e at the end with this with the uh, an accent over the e? And guess what? That's not right. This doesn't oh, mean no. anything. This is not a word. It's just audace. Like but, I think that's that. So I have this misspelled, and I have another misspelled word on my other arm in another language. I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, have the audacity. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it like that from now on. <laughs> she got I her mean, tattoo covered up. She betrayed me. <laughs> <laughs> well, have the audacity to have audacity on your body. You know, it will remind you. Yeah. What is a better spelling. reminder than that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have to check your spelling, but, you know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Maybe, <laughs> maybe stop putting foreign words on your on your word languages you don't speak quit quit doing that just quit doing that because you look like a dumbass e. yeah <laughs> twice on each side <laughs> honestly that's that's a great story i love that um 
Well, I also kind of have a tattoo story. Um, so on the backs of my calves, I have both the Brienne of Tarth from Game mm. of Thrones, and I have the Hound, and they are my favorite characters out of that series. And I got them, and I would say about a year later, that disastrous ending happened. Oh. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they say, uh, you know, I'm no sir, I'm no lady, but it's really to remind myself, um, I'm an intersex person. I I have existed outside of binaries for a long time, um, but also to have strength in that. I think with that, it was just like, I was like, oh, yes, I love these. I love these characters. I love these tattoos. They're fantabulous portraits made by this great artist here. And then that happened. And everyone, the only thing people <laughs> say to me now, they're like, man, that ending sucks. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I get it. <laughs> oh, damn them. Right. You know, tattoos are very permanent. <laughs> man, God. I love them so. I'm one of those people I that like. See, I think it's. I still think it sounds cool. Oh, thank you. Plus, if it's good art, I mean, I'll still look at it and like it. <laughs> right. I'm like it. It don't matter if it's good yeah, art. Those characters are still badass, and they didn't do anything dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Other than maybe die at the end. Maybe <laughs> I don't even remember. But they didn't do that dumb crap. <laughs> Definitely. And also, you know, if there's anyone listening that loves Game of Thrones, I much prefer the stories in the you know the tv show over the books i've not read the books i've my really? my partner has read the books yeah but i i think that some of the characters that i like are significantly different in the books so <laughs> hmm. but that's just my opinion you know like what's the same that's just my opinion man it, it's been wiped from my brain because that ending enraged me. So I was just like, yeah. that doesn't exist anymore. Next. <laughs> right. It's like, all right, what's the next thing? It's not going to disappoint me. Like the elder I don't need friends. Lost. Right. It's like, I don't need friends. They disappoint me. <laughs> like, thanks. But I love tattoos and I want to keep getting them. I think I'm one of those people that um, not only is it like a... I think that also like connects to my like spiritual practice too. And it's really weird. Like the more that you pull on those strings, the more you find in your life that you do every day that you're like, that ain't witchy or that ain't spiritual. You're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait, it is. Um, is. Yeah. It all connects to each other. I'm constantly telling my friends, I'm like, have you ever just really sat in a field and looked at the sky and thought about how things are connected, man. (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) okay. All right. It's time to go eat some lunch or something. I don't know. (laughs) Do you have daily rituals or daily practice? And would you share them with us if you do? Yeah. um, So I would say that I probably used to be a lot more rigid in my daily practices. But now it's really up to, I try to infuse a little bit of witchiness or a little bit of spirituality, my own, into whatever I do. Um, Whether that be just like, listening to a podcast or whenever I'm cooking, I have special herbs that I keep in my my spice cabinet. But especially whenever I'm with friends, I break the good herbs out. <laughs> not the not the ones from the dollar store. I go top shelf. <laughs> um not the dollar shelf, you know, dollar store is bad. It's just I have some like Sometimes you like to feel fancy. Yeah. And I actually even so I have stuff like salt that I've gotten specifically from 
a mom and pop shop that um, produces salt from a cave in Appalachia. Oh, what? Um, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> I found that one time and I was like, well, dang, I'm ordering some of this. But I um, use stuff like that, you know, like whenever my friends come over on the weekends or like, you know, if I go take a dish to someone who is feeling ill or something. You know, I used to really think I have a very rigid thought process sometimes that I'm like, I'm not sitting down and I'm lighting a candle and I'm saying intentions or I am doing this entire thing. It is not magical practice. But the more that I live and learn and, you know, that we all have things going on in our lives, we can't really always stop as much as we would like. You can still keep going and just infuse those things into whatever you're doing. Just however you want. So, yeah. Did you grow up with witchcraft in your life? (laughs) I would say a younger me would say no, but an older me definitely says yes. um, Because it might not have been called that. But it was definitely that. So I come from like evangelical fundamentalism, which is very staunchly no witchcraft allowed. But however, a lot of my older family members, especially from Appalachia, have folk practices. And whenever I started realizing like these are, they're very related to just spirituality, loose spirituality, as well as just honestly, just the practice of witchcraft, the practice of doing magic, uh, doing magical workings with intention, which to me, that is also like the definition of, (laughs) you know, doing magic is doing something with intent um, to influence something to change or to even just like, not even just change, but to just put your thing on it, you know, (laughs) like, and my, my family, uh, you know, I started reading letters from them that my, you know, from like my great, great, great grandmother from like my, my grandfather's practiced a lot of different folk magic things without, I don't even think them realizing it, they wouldn't call it that, but it was definitely that because they were farmers and they were not even just farmers, but just like you know, they worked on the railroad, they did all sorts of things like um, working for the post office, working for the railroad, whenever that was a thing. They worked on the family farm to sustain themselves and their community, and all of those kinds of stuff. So you know, like reading back through their books, or even just like audio files, I have some of them now for my grandfather, but him just telling stories. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it's actually there's a lot of that. I even have, luckily, a newspaper clipping from, like, the early 1900s that was talking about my, like, third great-grandmother, and she was one of the only people in town that (laughs) knew anything about, like, herbal salves, knew anything about, um, like, all sorts of, like, like, tinctures, things like that, but she had a herb garden that was massive, and she actually had a saddle that she would keep on her horse at all times she would never take it off and whenever someone would you know call on her even in the middle of the night she would go and um you know make something up and take it to someone like say if they had like a fever to break she would be the person they would call and it was really like it it's definitely not western medicine as we know it <laughs> um today but it was definitely very folk practices, but very much like known in the community as she would just be able to go and like do those things, which I thought is great. I also recently found out her saddle that was kept on her horse is in a museum in 
uh, Northeast Tennessee somewhere. So I need to go view it sometime. But yeah, like, I don't know. Um, I think it's just really cool how it, how different practices just pervade everyday life. And even without us knowing it, sometimes I also come from I have multiple different types of people in my family from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of people who are immigrants, but also people who, you know, who are indigenous and things like, you know, those practices coming together, melding together, and just seeing different evolutions over time that are then passed on, and they keep being passed on. And sometimes they change a little bit over time. But even just like seeing that kind of tempering so kind of like whenever you take a sword and you temper the metal and keep folding it in on it on itself and like heating it up and then like hammering it down and then doing it over and over again and how it changes but it becomes stronger over time I really think there's something about that as well can't always put my finger on it but you know I think that is again part of a practice like practices that's an interesting way to think about it yeah. Well, thank you. I can't think of the real name. What is the real name? Like what people who aren't in, in, it's not Valerian Steel, but it's like Valerian Steel. What is yeah. the real name for that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I know. I get what you mean. Like the very, like very hard, very tough metal. But it yeah. has a name because they use, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. real practice. Oh my gosh. What has happened to my head? <laughs> Everyone go look up. <laughs> Go look up Valerian Steel and then go from there. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But yeah, no, I get that. It's, um, I I can't, I honestly don't know the name either. I just describe the practice in hopes that someone will go, oh, that's just like that. Oh, my brain is just doing something dumb. (laughs) It's the good kind. It's got the waves in it. It's really pretty. Yeah. Damascus. Damascus. Yeah. Damascus Steel. (laughs) (laughs) anyway back to the point it's fascinating to think of that of witchcraft and practices being formed like that yeah yeah what would you you say is your first experience with witchcraft who so i would say my first official like if i went to an event um would definitely be I went to a Samhain uh, event in Asheville, North Carolina, and I was a teenager. Um, I drove myself over there and I was like, I am going to be with people. <laughs> if I if I can do anything about it, I'm going to do something with people. And I actually had brought a friend along with me that, you know, they're like, all right, you know, you're in all the switchy stuff. Cool. But, you know, they, they were just like, I guess this is just a really cool part of your goth phase. Which, by the way, goth is not phase. It's what's in your heart that matters. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I brought them along with me to Asheville. And we went to, I believe it's the Church of All Souls there. And now someone in Asheville can absolutely correct me because I would only go there every so often. But um, there, I cannot remember the folks that put them on, but it was a community event. And there were like so many different people from different practices, different walks of life that were present and it was a beautiful ceremony. And that was like one of the first times I had gotten together with someone or like with a group of people coming together for a common purpose, raising energy. And then you can feel it physically manifesting like on your skin, like 
I could feel it like it felt like champagne bubbles. It felt like hair raising. It felt like I was like, I've never I've been in many churches in my lifetime. I've never felt anything like this before. And so did my friend. And they, you know, they aren't, uh, we're not a practicing witch or anything. They were like, I can tell there's something going on. (laughs) You know, that is not just, all right, we're getting together and we are having a picnic or we are, you know, just (laughs) shouting to the ceiling, Um, (laughs) you know. But yeah, I think that really eye opened or it was an eye opener for me, Um, especially the strength that comes with folks coming together and mashing their energies together and really just finding like common ground and working together. So that really stuck with me. Do you ever feel like you have imposter syndrome? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And what do you do about that? Um, imposter syndrome happens a lot. And I think it happens on a lot of different levels, specifically for myself. It happens in my magical practice in the fact that, you know, insofar as I, I'm definitely a person that I have been hurt by others, you know, without them thinking, I know how that feels. I know a lot of people do. I'm one of those people that I'm like, I don't want to do that to other people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I think in some practices, specifically, not even really practice, I wouldn't even call it that. I would say it's whenever it's commercialized, those kinds of things, whenever people use it to be more of a, it's not even, I, I'm not even saying that you can't make money doing witchcraft. You definitely can. You can do it the right way. But it's really so far as like, I have no other interest in this practice or in spirituality other than to make money from people. Um, so then I will take other people's things and use them as my own, even without knowing the context or things like that. So really appropriation. I worry about that, you know, for myself as well. Um, because I've seen it happen to my folk practices, to people that I know, and I don't want to do it to other folks that I might not be so knowledgeable about. Then also like as a a queer person, as a trans person, um, non-binary person, imposter syndrome also seeps in that it's like, you know, just walking around in everyday life, people questioning who you are, like even to your core. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine. I mean, I can kind of, and it sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just like being a woman, that's, that's like one point of that, like people questioning you. Yeah. Being like, oh, do you really know that thing? (laughs) You're like, yes, I do actually. What's (laughs) a degree? What did I, oh, what's my degree for? Oh, that's just for looks. Exactly. It's just a piece of paper that costs a lot of money, you know, (laughs) unfortunately. Yeah. And I think they're constantly mashing themselves together as well but also kind of um bouncing off of each other and the way that i deal with that is i do i speak to other people that i really admire i also do a lot of listening more than i do talking honestly it's probably the most talking i've done in a long time um (laughs) but i think a good dose of listening and not even just listening but going taking a step further and internalizing what you hear from other people and really putting yourself as much as you can 
in their shoes to foster empathy and compassion and trying to work together with those folks. I think that that is also a source of power for myself and power in coming into my own, but also really just caring about uh, about other folks more than just you know surface level because I know what it feels like I also I I know what it feels like for those kinds of things to to happen yeah uh <laughs> hopefully that's a an okay answer for that or what you were looking for but I think it's just a lot of a lot of different things all the time are people thinking I'm looking for something <laughs> somebody said that before and it just like I'm like I don't know what I'm looking for I'm just waiting I'm just listening to you talk <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's what i'm listening to. I'm, that's, that's what i'm looking for for you to tell your story <laughs> you know and that's a good question like are we looking for something and are you looking for something but i think a lot of us myself very much included is that i'm expecting other people to want something from me or to need something from me i do want something from on. everyone i want to know <laughs> i want to know things because i'm a nosy person that's uh, the truth. I'm I'm nosy and I want to know what's hot, what what makes people tick. Oh, me too. Like I think that's just like I I I think you've spoken to this before, but just like getting in depth with people or with other, you know, just with something that you're interested in and just wanting to know more and more and more about it. I'm I'm absolutely the same way. And I think um I mean, personally, whenever I would go to the library when I was younger, I would check out like 30 books at a time. <laughs> yeah. And I would be like, I cannot get enough of this. I need to know more. And it really is just wanting to understand. Um, but I also have heard the phrase that, you know, we're all individually just the universe experiencing different parts of itself. I really like that. I really resonate with that idea that even just like the act of you and I like speaking right now just two different parts of the universe that's ever expanding that is is just continually experiencing itself over and over again here's something that bothers me i hate when i get epiphanies during these (laughs) (laughs) part of it is obsessive compulsive disorder because the more i know the safer i am Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. annoying oh yeah i feel you so i also have ocd i don't Um, like it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it can be a blessing and a curse sometimes, you know, yeah, if you ever, is, but if you ever like fall still. into a Jeopardy show, <laughs> you're like, I know a lot of these things. Exactly. <laughs> I know so much about so many things. <laughs> exactly. So many, so many trivias. <laughs> but then you're like, oh, when does it stop? Sometimes it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. What would you say is your biggest struggle with your practice? Ooh, so my biggest struggle... I think it's probably, I think it's twofold. It's really putting myself out there. I am terrified of putting myself out there just because there's been so many times that I I do. And then um, I, you know, I have good intentions. Someone stomps all over you. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And really, I mean, even if it's a correction, I openly welcome corrections, especially whenever it comes to like, hey, actually, that is crossing the line a little bit like this is a closed practice, you know, like, please tell me more and not, you know, about how to respect that about your boundaries. I want to know your boundaries. I want to know everyone's boundaries. I want them to know mine. It takes 
minimal effort to be able to come up to me and go, Hey, Roan, this is a boundary and don't cross that. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, we're good. There's been a lot of times where like what you just said, like it, it occurs in a stomping over method or maybe very severe. And I'm even saying that even within my own like communities and things like that, where even there's been some, sometimes I have been a bit severe with people um, in the past. Well, we're human. I know I have been too. Yeah. I think it can be very difficult to just kind of like pause for a moment and be like, what am I feeling right now? I'm feeling really, I mean, even whenever I feel like slighted by someone or I feel like, Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. I really have to make myself pause for a minute and be like, I need to honor this feeling inside of myself, but maybe I I should not immediately react and then come back to that person. And then we'll have a combo. I have historically been not so great at that, but like you just said, I think that is a very human condition. It also just makes me terrified because <laughs> as I, I was saying earlier uh, to you, I think even before we were recording, but um, I, you know, I have PTSD. I have a lot of trauma in my past. Um, and a lot of that goes pretty deep. So it might not even be the person talking to me in front of me, but it is reminding me of those things. So then my body just goes, Oh, scary, <laughs> you know, danger. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is, is also just learning to, I wouldn't say overcome, but heal from that. And how can I have both things at the same time, like healing and also allow myself community and, and not be so afraid of that. I know how. And it's going to happen all in a year from now. It's going to happen in a year. <laughs> absolutely. And that that absolutely leads into like, I've heard you talk about Anahana's purpose. I've heard other people, including, uh, you know, my family member, Corey. And it really is something that I've been looking for for a long time. And I am so thankful to hear all of those stories from people that attended. Because it sounds like something a lot of us need. It's freaking um, life changing. Yeah. I am so glad to hear that. Like, because I, even just having been a solitary practitioner, there's been multiple times where I tried to dip my toe back in the water and I'm like, ah, nope, too hot. All right. <laughs> you know, but it's mostly just because of, you know, just different incompatibilities, but those incompatibilities are like, I don't even say incompatibilities, but just people being people, yeah, <laughs> myself included. Yeah. Yeah. And they can be hard sometimes, but they don't have to be, I don't think. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. I <laughs> I also really enjoy um which bench amateur hour and then talking about like getting on the airplane and things like that cuz I'm <laughs> like that really humanizes that for me because it's something I also worry about. And I really make a big deal out of it, but I feel bad for it. I'm like, why should I feel bad? It's just a thing that happens, <laughs> you know? Um, afraid of, or just unsettled by different things. I have no problem getting on a plane. Yeah. I am not afraid during lightning storms, mm -hmm. but people terrify the shit out of me. Leaving yeah. my house is terrifying, which yeah. is dumb. No, not dumb at all, honestly. Not dumb at all. I am also terrified to leave my house, but yet 
you still do it. (laughs) I just sometimes I want to learn how to do it with less um, crippling anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. How do you tiptoe around that? You don't name it and claim it, baby. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that is also powerful too, to like directly talk about like, Hey, I have crippling anxiety right now. This is what I'm feeling. And to be surrounded by other people who understand that and they're not going to go, wow. Okay. You know, that's weird. I don't have that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll even speak to that as being, um, so I've recently been diagnosed, but something I've lived lifelong with, um, is that I'm autistic. And that is something that I, I also work with other people in my my secular life at work. I, I help other folks with disabilities find work um, because I my professional training, my degree, all of that stuff is in human resource management. But I am lucky that I found community within that community as well and that it is something not just you know, to be ashamed of, definitely not. It's actually empowering. It's a different perspective on things, on life. Um, It's very much the difference between like operating systems, between like uh, Windows OS and Mac OS. Just because I'm a Mac OS doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with me. It just means that, you know, I, I function differently. My files are in a different place, but, you know, Macs are really great at, you know, video, design at um, creating things but windows are also great at like other things as well so i think coming into that and honoring that part about myself has been very helpful whenever it comes to just saying this is these are things i need and things i need to talk about and let's just be open and honest about everything (laughs) i'm experiencing that at work yeah. The job I have requires a like kind of a a weird skill set. And the people mm-hmm. who are good at it are really good at it. And I bet they're really bad at everything else. <laughs> and I'm really good at it. And my husband, it makes him hate his life. Yeah. But I can't do the things he does. So it's just interesting to see the differences. Oh yeah. And I have not been diagnosed officially, but and I'm not trying to pay all the money to get a diagnosis. But I do believe that I am also somewhere in that arena absolutely uh, you know and that that's something we can talk about honestly for a whole other episode is just barriers uh to entry or not even entry but like you know just barriers and access to, to diagnoses to diagnoses yeah especially as okay you know i do not identify as a woman but i was raised as a woman i am and i use this for myself i'm an afab person which means assigned female at birth especially when it comes to neurodivergency. So whether it be, you know, OCD, whether it be autism, ADHD, uh, people who are assigned female at birth um, or who were raised as a woman or who are women have a really hard time getting diagnosed. (laughs) We're so suppressed as children as to who we're allowed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you need to be this um, or else. (laughs) So, ladies don't do that. Okay, well, I'm nine, ma'am. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not even a lady yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> even if I grow up to be a lady, I'm not a lady now. Right. I am a child. 
<laughs> that is what I identify as, is I am a child. Definitely. And personally, I absolutely validate self-diagnosis for those reasons, specifically for access. But I think there is a lot of value in people knowing themselves and doing research for themselves. And even just coming from a trans perspective, you know who you are. And no one else really has a say on that. You know who you are. And I think we don't do nearly enough as a society to validate people whenever they do their core. Because you spend all of the time, you're the person that spends the most time with you every day to just really know things about themselves without someone else having to tell them, like, this is who you are and this is what you do. But it's such a weird search. I didn't know until I was in my mid-30s who I was. Yeah. And yet you're expected to get a job, choose a career, like, out of high school and probably get married and have a kid by then. Yeah. That's batshit. Yeah. Society is stupid. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> it is. It's like, maybe I just want to sit around, um, you know, in a forest somewhere and cry and um, eat cake. I don't know. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Like, maybe I just want to, like, you know, F off to my little cottage out in the woods and just do whatever the heck I want. Okay. <laughs> you know? And it doesn't even have to be, like... I just want to, I just want to surround myself with folks that feel that way too, you know, that it's like, if wherever you are at in life, that's where you are and that's okay. But also, you know, want to prize things like learning and learning without, I don't know, like learning without boundaries, boundaries, meaning like, um, you can't do that because you are X, like meaning like, oh, you can't learn that because you're a woman or yeah. like, you know, you can't be in this space because you're transgender or because you're, um, you know, a BIPOC person, you know, or even just because you're neurodivergent, <laughs> like you can't be in an office. I actually, my first diagnosis, I got misdiagnosed once and then I went to another practitioner, but My first diagnosis told me I was not autistic because I had a career and actually because I wanted a job. And mind you, my job at the time is I find I help folks with autism find jobs. So I'm like, that's not true. (laughs) You know, and they told me that's super annoying. Right. And because I I have a partner um, and we've been together for four years um, because I have a degree. And all of these arbitrary things. And they're like, that's why, you know, you scored high on all of these tests. It's incredibly insulting. Yeah. And um, I found, luckily, in our area, a psychologist who is also neurodivergent. Um, He is autistic. And he's like, that's all bullshit. (laughs) He actually laughed whenever I told him what they told me. He's like, that is, wow. (laughs) You know? So... That person sounds like a real dipshit. (laughs) Right. And, you know, no wonder that we go through life being like, well, I'm too afraid to go outside or like, you know, I'm too afraid to participate socially because there's just like all these things happening all the time like that where it's like, "Eh, you can't be here because of that. (laughs) You're not who you are. Yeah. Or you don't even know who you are. Whenever it's like, actually, I do. Do you know who I am? Have we have we talked before? (laughs) 
<laughs> Hi, let me introduce myself. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. What do you think is the biggest motivator in your practice? Ooh, that is, I would say that's a very deep question. Biggest motivator in my practice. I think it'd be hard to choose just one. I definitely think that it is self-exploration, but also knowledge obtaining that we've talked about before, but as well as for seeing other people being at different points in my life that I've been and having a desire to connect with them, but also healing. I would say that if I had to choose any one word for my practice, it would be healing. I think that can be multifaceted and take on a lot of different versions of itself, a lot of different looks. If I wasn't talking to witches, I wonder what the answer to that would be, because I feel like most of us are saying that. Yeah, maybe it's because there is a lot of healing that is needed going on. And honestly, for a long time has been well over overdue. Maybe we're all just getting fed up <laughs> with everything. There's no maybe. (laughs) (laughs) It's very true. Very true. I think there's only so long that we can go on before we just start. We run out of spoons and all we have left are uh, knives, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So. (laughs) Who would you say are the big three biggest influences on your practice? I would definitely say uh, my folk practices so folks that i've grown up with as well as uh so they can be my biological family i would also say my chosen family for me my chosen family is just as strong to me as my biological family and honestly sometimes even more so and my my communities that i belong to i would say those three things they're probably very uh, <laughs> broad things. What is your favorite? Like when you think back, either your favorite experience with witchcraft or your the thing that went wrong and you think, well, that was dumb, but you're willing to share it. <laughs> I would say that in my life, uh, my practice looks very different day to day. And part of my practice is what I've, I've mentioned before of being a queer nun, being, you know, a sister. And one of the strongest things that I've seen before, which we have different um, ceremonies that we'll do and often publicly and each house. So each place like in a state um, and that's where like different people reside. We call them houses. We'll have their own personal things that they do. Uh, one of ours that we do here in Kentucky, we have something called the veil of shame and we wear veils as nuns and those veils, different colors signify different levels. So if you are, you know, like a novice, which means that you just like, you are working towards being a, a a member. And really all that means is that you have a lot to learn and you are learning from other people before you are given the full reign to go. All right. I'm a queer nun, (laughs) you know, you have a lot to learn from your community first. And anyway, so one of the things that we have is we have a veil of shame and someone will wear literally a white veil that will cover themselves and they will be taken through an event. So for example, at pride, that's an example of one. And, um, 
other people will be around them. So other nuns will be around them. And they'll have Sharpies of like different colors or even just like red, things like that. And people that pass by are uh, encouraged to write hurtful things that have been told to them, um, things that they think about themselves, very negative stuff. And they pour it all into this veil. And sometimes it's been done with a dress, like a white dress. Um, and people will come and just mark literally on this person as they walk through the crowd, just like, you know, the worst things they think about themselves, the worst things they've been told about themselves. And then later on in a ceremony, we take that and we bless it and then we burn it. I think some of those times have been the most powerful for me is because of the connections you make with people and the release. They come up and they release those things about themselves and then they're allowed to, you know, they, they talk with us. They have community that validates that, that, hey, you know, you are not these things. You are who you are. You are who you say you are. These are just things that other people would put on you, but you can take it off and you can transform it into something else. I actually felt really anxious when you said they bless it. <laughs> like my anxiety ramped up. <laughs> Yeah. Until you said burnt it. And then it was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So really blessing it is, I think that's something also in our community as like queer nuns is when we bless something, it is, it can be multiple things. You can bless something with an intention to uplift someone, or you can bless an object like that with an intent to release it. And we do a lot of that to be able to stay with our motto, which one of the things within our motto is um, expiate guilt and promulgate universal joy. So I, I really feel like those things, they deeply resonate with me, but it's wonderful to be able to see them in practice. Love it. Yeah. What do you dislike about the witch community? Uh, oh, um, well, I feel like we've talked about it a bit, but just, oh, and see, I'm even having trouble now, like just being open about it, just pouring myself out about it, being vulnerable. Um, it's scary. Yeah, it's scary. Well, I'll tell you, um, not very many people listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> But even just like talking to just another person. So if we're talking to you like live on another end, you know, I, I find it very hard, but I really think that it is just not allowing ourselves to experience things whenever they are, of course, things that are allowed to be experienceable. So we're not talking about closed practices that belong to folks who are marginalized, but also just uh, to understand things so that way we can have deeper respect for them, even if they are. So understanding it to some degree as to like, okay, why should I? But also like <laughs> if you were doing, we even see that like in the Appalachian folk community, there have been like spats between authors because you're not doing Appalachian folk work right. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> A lot of it involves like you take a jar that's an old pickle jar and <laughs> you put some dirt in it, you know, things like that. You have, you work with whatever you have on hand yeah. and that is like at the core of it. You work with whatever you have because sometimes you don't have anything yep. and 
to be able to tell someone, well, you're not doing it right because you're not using a ball jar. You're using a pickle jar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like I will go on ahead and say you it. Have it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're right. Exactly. Like, have you thought about the classes implications of that? Um, which, hello, we're in Appalachia. <laughs> There's a lot of like low income, like, you know, people who exist at a lower class here. But you know, of course, it's just like one example, but I think people getting too far in the weeds on other folks rather than trying to, with the object of coming together and not even really coming together, but like existing peacefully together. You don't even have to like other people. You just don't have to retaliate against them. So I, I think that again, like we've, we've definitely talked about that a bit and touched on it, but other people scare me for those reasons. I've seen that a lot in the witch community, but I've seen it a lot in many communities. I don't think it's something that is just within our community. Yeah. What so stop being scary, it? everyone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Quit being, quit, in, quit making me afraid. Right. But what do you love about us? Um, I have also met some of the most wonderful people I've ever met in my life through witch communities, through spiritual communities. You know, for example, I I know I keep talking about them, but I feel like it is like they're a very good example of that. But my family member, Corey, we met each other through the sisters. However, we both didn't really know that we were, you know, I was like, well, I'm a witch. Are you a witch? And they were like, um, yes. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things, like other things bring you together. But um, we've, we've bonded over that as well as over other things. And I just really enjoy the conversations we have. Like we have very deep, very thoughtful conversations. I also just love to be around anyone that I can just open up and talk about like, Hey, have you thought about like outer space before? Have you ever thought about how like that can have like spiritual connections and like, why do we do these things? And, or even just like walking through a graveyard and being like, you know, I feel something here or just through the middle of the deep forest and being like, do you just like feel that energy here? What is that? And listening to it um, and people not going, wow, you were <laughs> something else. Let me tell you what, that's really weird. <laughs> but just having those deep conversations with folks and allowing yourself to just go with the flow. I think like going with the flow is very important. I can't wait till September. <laughs> yeah, me too. I can't wait Honest to see other people experience this. Yes. And I think that's also something that really touched me too, was whenever you were talking about being on Anahata's Purpose and allowing yourself to go out in the river and cry for a long time. I was thinking that too, that I would love something like that, where I can allow myself to just do that. Because there's a lot of internal <laughs> feelings that I have. And I honestly, even... You know, starting testosterone aside, because actually, oh, no. enough, that sounds like <laughs> a shit show to experience. <laughs> well, it's weirdly enough. I used to make fun of people all the time being like, ah, you know, people with testosterone in their bodies have a hard time crying because of and I'm like, no, it is no joke. I've had such a hard time. Really? I used to cry all the time at everything. And now I, 
I will be finding myself being like, I want to cry right now. Please cry. And I can't do it. Hmm. It's so strange. But I also have friends, for example, as well as myself. I actually have gone through HRT twice now, being an intersex person. Um, I was forced to go through feminizing HRT um, whenever I was uh, a minor. And I felt this, but I also have it (laughs) validated with uh, trans feminine friends who take estrogen that whenever you take like estrogen and things like that, it really does allow you to cry more and feel your emotions more and be more in tune with them. And I miss that. I really, really miss like just going out somewhere and being like, I am going to just let it all out and be very open with myself. Sometimes I think it's even hard to be open with my own self before I can be open with other people. laugh because I'm gonna ask Rachel to put it on a calendar, put it on the schedule. Yes, please. A 45 minute river crying. A <laughs> 45 minute river crying. Uh please bring tasty cake. Um please bring snacks. Followed by sound clearing. Sound clearing. <laughs> sound bath. Yes. That also <laughs> sounded wonderful. I was like, that is genius. So to we go to that. the shadow work class, then we go cry in the river and then we get a sound bath. And then it's <laughs> snack time around the fire. Oh, oof. come over to my house at snack time all the time. So <laughs> we love that. But it's just, yeah, I I am so excited. I will also say I was extremely surprised at how accessible it is. And that's, I think, going back on the point of things about uh, witchy things is I have wanted to go to classes before I've wanted to go to retreats before, but then I will go look at the cost and be like, I will never be able to afford this. Yes. Rachel made it a point to be affordable. I love that. And I loved listening to her section to her talking to you about that on that episode and really resonated with that. It also resonates with me in my own practice. Like whenever someone comes up to me and they're like, I need a house cleansing stat, but I'm like, I will do it. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> you know, it's accessible. Um, like accessibility in, in multiple facets is important to me. Is there anything that you wish more people were talking about or that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask? Sure. Um, I think... So I will probably take this time to talk uh, just a little bit about something that is quite personal to me, but is also something that I witness. So, and it's kind of, honestly, it's witchy adjacent, but it can be applied to any, anything, even witchy spaces. And that is including trans people, non-binary people, gender non-conforming people in those spaces where they belong. I see it both within the queer community as well as outside of the queer community, all the way up to including, you know, things that we see just in, uh, you know, just like in the news outlets, things like that, people not being allowed to use restrooms, all those kinds of things based on arbitrary things like body parts. And I, I constantly see people, more specifically trans feminine people, being barred from areas like women's workshops just because, you know, other folks don't understand uh, where we are coming from and who we are 
as well as, um, you know, just the fear. Like we've been talking about some fear throughout this entire entire program, but I think that's something that a lot of trans people deal with on a daily basis is just being afraid to go to social spaces because of um, being rejected and, and furthermore being in harm's way. Every year there are hundreds of trans people, more specifically trans feminine people, and even more specifically black trans women and trans women of color who are murdered just for being in spaces where they should be and being in places where they should be allowed to exist. So although, you know, it might not look at the surface, you know, like, you know, we're going to say, you're not allowed to be at this event, just please don't come here. Or even just saying something like, that's odd. You know, why are you here? Um, All those kinds of things can absolutely trickle down into things that make the you know the safety issues and and people being murdered happen in this world so i just really like to anytime i get the platform challenge people whenever they are in those spaces and if they feel a certain way to really get to know trans folks really get to understand us and um have not just compassion but community with us i think there's a lot that we bring to the table um, and a lot of times we we seek that community, but we are denied it. I could talk all day about that, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I was pondering my thoughts on everything. So I'm still working things out. Yeah, you're good. I don't, I don't know. I just don't understand people very often. Very often I don't understand people. That makes more sense. Yeah. Like, uh, why do you care? <laughs> Yeah. Like, why is it such a big deal? <laughs> yeah. So it's, I, I was like trying to fathom who you were talking to and what they were thinking. And I'm like, I don't get it. Honestly, I and wish more people were like that. <laughs> hopefully if someone sees me act in a different way, they call me on it so I can fucking deal with that. Yeah. Well, you know. Because I can't think of anything, but that doesn't mean I don't. Yeah. And I I have seen some of that out in the greater community, um, specifically, like, I, I mean, this is just an example. It's not saying all all organizations are like that or whatever, what have you. But um, for example, like Dianic practices, I've seen some be like, all right, you know, you have to be a woman with a vagina with like uterus, you know, all those kinds of things. All of these, these things you have to have to be able to just participate. I'm like, okay, is someone going around checking that? Yeah. <laughs> no, let's hope not. But it's like, my what? Exactly. What if you are a woman um, and you don't have those things, or what if you know, you're a woman you and you fucking a... hate your uterus because it makes your life a goddamn exactly. misery? How about like, that? what if you're a cis woman and you? I don't. Exactly. Exactly. So by those standards, uh, you know, like cis women do not fit in. They don't, and it really comes back down to. I mean, it comes to a lot of things like misogyny, trans misogyny specifically, but. <laughs> also just i just wanted to say by the way i'm not trying to make it about me that just is a blurt that i was telling you about no no you're fine totally and that's very important because you know there's even intersex women that are are born with um multiple different kinds of parts um for example so i was raised as a woman i am assigned female at birth but you know i have different parts 
than what as you know what we think of as a cis woman would have. Um, so even by that standard, if I, I and I know other intersex women that are like that, but you know even by those standards, like intersex people, cis people who elect to have you know surgeries or even just have like medical conditions, um, people who've gone through menopause, all of those people, and specifically like it is used to bar trans women from those spaces. It also has a much wider reach and impact than people realize it does. When I'm in a witch group and they're, they start like celebrating their periods. I'm like, what periods are you having? (laughs) You obviously aren't having the same shit I'm dealing with. Oh yeah. You know, and I pride myself saying like, you know, I am an intersex person, but I'm also, um, a gender non-conforming trans masculine person. I have a period. Uh, they are hell because I have PCOS. <laughs> and sometimes I just don't want to celebrate that because it causes me a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish I could. I-, I wish it could be like a thing of empowerment, but um, but even then, it's like <laughs> I mean, just, it's just been so long. I just want some clean, fucking cute underwear. Yeah. How much is that? I mean, also, why, why? As a fat person, I love the idea of like those thinks or like those underwear for, you know, menstruation. They don't make them in my size. Yeah. I'm like, cool. All right. (laughs) I guess fat people don't menstruate, but. (laughs) (sighs) It's like people come on. Why do we care so much? (laughs) Just exist. Yeah, like on that note, my um, my partner, who uh, is a binary trans man, he's been having a really hard time getting out in public spaces, you know, do more so like impactful because of the pandemic and, and we stay home all the time. Just because he's like, I am afraid of people caring too much. And I was like, I just wish people that would come up to me and if they misgender me or if they even have something, you know... <sighs> to say about the way that I am presenting myself in public or being perceived. He's like, just don't perceive me. I don't want to be perceived anymore. Please don't perceive me. Um, but also just, why do you care? Just stop caring oh, my, about My response it. was shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Take your shit somewhere else. I don't fucking give a damn. Yeah. I'm busy. I'm just trying to fucking eat this goddamn sandwich. Right, go like right. That, go talk to that guy about what he looks like, because I don't give a shit. I'm fucking hungry. It's like that meme, like really, right here in front of my salad. Like... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who do you think I should have on the show? Ooh. Hmm. Well, one of the people that sorry, I, that's a really hard question too, because. Um, I think there's so many interesting people out there, but one of the people that I have um, read his books and he is also a um, Appalachian practitioner, like folk practitioner. Um, He does a lot of really good writings about it, but is very approachable um, is very like just a great person. (laughs) His name is Jake Richards and he's the author of Backwoods Witchcraft, which is Conjure and Folk Magic from Appalachia. Yeah. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know who that was immediately. (laughs) He also has a newer book out called Doctoring the Devil, Notebooks of an Appalachian Conjure Man. And 
does a lot of really good writings. Um, he has received some, he's one of the recipients of, of those kinds of things we've talked about before where, you know, people will come up and be like, ah, you're not doing it exactly how I do it. So therefore it is not, <laughs> it, you're it not isn't a real Appalachian witch. Yeah. You're not a real Appalachian witch, you know, like you're not a real granny witch. You're not a real conjure person, um, which, you know, conjure of course has multiple different types depending on where you're at in the U S. Um, yeah. but there is also Appalachian conjure, which is also something I practice, something that my family has practiced, but he takes those things in stride and he's just a really, really good human being. <laughs> I I would, you know, would really love to hear more interviews or people invite him to interviews because often I, I just I haven't really heard a lot about that. Or like, you know, I, I don't see things where we are thinking about other people in the Appalachian folk magic community. And sometimes it does feel a little bit like a uh like an a popularity game for some folks whenever in reality it's about the practice and jake is about the practice from what i can tell and i've you know read both of his books they're both great but also have interacted with him like in other settings so yeah yeah cool I'll put him on my list of books that I need to read so I can have the author on. Gosh, it's yes. getting long. <laughs> <laughs> Would you please recommend something to the listeners? So if I had to recommend anyone read anything, um, I would definitely say... Try reading Backwoods Richcraft, Conjure and Folk Magic from Appalachia by Jake Richards because... It does give a, a good entry level view into Appalachian folk practices, you know, the way in which we refer to granny magic or conjure. And of course, like take that with a grain of salt. I say that with everybody's practice, including my own, but it does. It gives you, if you're interested in, in those kinds of things, it really gives you a good overview and a good starting point. Um, if you're also interested in folk practices Another good thing to read is The Foxfire, which isn't yes. a witchy books per se. Yeah, but it's a... Not intentionally, um, maybe. <laughs> yeah, not intentionally, but ooh, there's a lot in there, which I find a lot of fellow Appalachians, whenever they want to go back to their roots, they begin reading that. And of course, Appalachia isn't... Whenever we think of Appalachia and we talk about it, a lot of folks think that Appalachia is solely and specifically white. And it is not. There are, you know, definitely black folks who are Appalachian, people of color, indigenous people who are Appalachian. And that's one of the wonderful things about Appalachian. The beauty of Appalachia is that our culture comes from many different parts, made up of many different people who have not only survived uh, either in close proximity or together with each other, but thrived. And our thriving might not look you know, on the outside, the same as, you know, other people who might be higher in socioeconomical class, but we're definitely thriving. We definitely, definitely have our own, our own works, our own things to be proud of. So that's where I would suggest starting. Now, finally, would you please tell me a story that you love to tell? Okay. About anything at all. Hmm. Anything at all. 
Yeah, doesn't have to be what you at all. It could be anything. As long okay. as you like telling the story. I think that one's hard too. <laughs> I also really love I love telling stories. Uh, I love listening to stories. Me um, do, which is why this podcast exists. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, and I'm grateful for that. Let's see. Truth be told, like, I am usually full of, like, stories just because, like, there's so much weird, you know, pardon my French, weird shit that happens to me in my life. Um, But the one that is oddly enough surfacing to my memory right now, and it's just a a dumb little story, too, but was (laughs) when I was younger, my entire, well, not entire, but like my family. So myself, my brother, my mom and my dad, we all decided to go to Disney World. And then my aunt, who I'm very close to, she also decided to come down. So she was just like, hey, actually, I've got some time. Um, And for some reason, I have like free airfare right now. So I'm going to come down and like spend the week with y'all too. And we were like, what the heck? So this is like, you know, once in a lifetime, like we are doing this really cool vacation for like our kids, even though I'm sure my parents are still probably paying that thing off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we got to the airport to pick up my aunt. And this is a story that's told in my family, even to this day. Even though that's it happened, the kind like, of story I love. <laughs> <laughs> we we okay so we were like in the orlando airport i'm pretty sure and there was like this um it was where the arrivals were coming in and we were standing down on this lower level and up above us was this like ledge with a glass just like a glass railing and you could see people getting off and either walking down the stairs or coming down the elevator and my mom saw someone who looked like my aunt, which my aunt's name is Aunt Debbie. I feel like everyone has an Aunt Debbie or at least knows an Aunt Debbie. But my my Aunt Debbie or who we thought was my Aunt Debbie got onto the elevator and we all stood in front of the elevator doors. I don't know what the who does. <laughs> and we thought it was just her on the elevator because everyone else is going down the stairs. Everyone else was like, I'm not going to wait for that. She got on the elevator and so we thought, and the doors opened and we all just yelled at this random person like, hello, Aunt Debbie. And then my mom all of a sudden goes, so I am autistic. I'm very sure my mom is autistic as well. She just goes very loudly. Well, who are you? You're Aunt Debbie. Where the hell is Aunt Debbie? <laughs> I was like, this poor person, you know. These doors are opening on their, you know, just from their point of view. And they're like, hello, Aunt Debbie. Wait, who the hell are you? You're not Aunt Debbie. (laughs) Then we just walk away. And they're like, what has happened? (laughs) So it is definitely a common saying in my family now. Like whenever you open a door to someone uh, to just scream, like, who the hell are you? You're not Aunt Debbie. (laughs) And that is exactly I, yeah. the kind of story that I want at the end of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, if you're just like you go and you have an awkward social interaction with somebody, you can always just like finish it with like, "Well, who the hell are you? You're on Anne Debbie," and then just walk <laughs> off. You know, <laughs> I'd be like, if anything, it will blind them with confusion, and you can escape 
very yes. quickly, very peacefully. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show. Yo, thank you for having me. It has been such a pleasure. Oh, yeah. And uh, for listening to all of my harebrained ideas. So, <laughs> Well, I will see you next year. Yes, most definitely. And maybe around the internet, maybe you'll pop in. Yes, I'm trying to get much better at doing that. I have recently joined the Fantabulous Public uh, Witch Bitch um, Facebook group. Yay! I enjoy everything that is on there. Let me tell you, I've been in a lot of witchy groups over the years on Facebook. Wait, are you in the coven? Yeah, yes. And, And that, like the coven is... A really great space to be in i i can honestly say i thoroughly enjoy like everything Yay. that people post in there Yay. and i just love seeing the interaction people have with each other like, it's so genuine but it's also uplifting and i feel like it is a space you don't have to be afraid to go outside your uh, internet door you know it's such a <laughs> so. good group yeah i love it so much and i love it even more and you will too after september yes I don't know if I just said like regular English words just then. I feel like I didn't. <laughs> what is regular English words? We can make up anything. It's all right. <laughs> Add it to the dictionary. Okay. Well, then I will see you in the coven. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Your Average Witch. You can find us all around the internet on Instagram at Your Average Witch Podcast. Twitter at Average Witch Pod, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Your Average Witch Podcast, at Your Average Witch Podcast.com, and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast, like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to Your Average Witch Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the moon changes.